Yes, Lord, we come before you singing this song, meaning it from our heart, Lord, that it is all about you. God, worship, coming to this place to seek you. God, to hear from you through your word. God, we have gathered here together for you, Jesus, nothing else. Lord, we want you. We need you, God. Lord, we long to be close to you, and we want to love you more. And I pray, God, that you would continue to minister minister to our hearts, Lord, as we sit at your feet. Oh, God, quiet our minds right now. We want it to be about you. Take away the distractions. Calm us now. Let us not be busy Marthas, but let us be Marys, sitting before your feet, yearning to hear from you, God, listening to you. And God, as we put all all our attention upon you, we ask, God, that you bless your word this morning, that you anoint it with your spirit, And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. Aloha, everybody. Aloha to you guys connected online. Um, I do want to thank you guys for coming to church and and coming here to seek Jesus. That's why we're here, right? Yeah, to be with Jesus, hear from Jesus. And uh, thank you guys, too, online. I've been real faithful, uh, always connecting up online. A few announcements before we get into the Word this morning. First of all, um, other than our regular study on Wednesday, our prayer meeting on Saturday, this Saturday morning, guys, we're having our men's fellowship. I invite you guys to come out, 7.30 a.m. It's been a great time of fellowship, discussion, praying for one another, and um, I don't want to, well, I I, I won't tell you who, ladies, uh, wives, too, that um, sometimes we cry, so, you know, sometimes some God moves in certain ways. So, anyway, I invite you guys to come out and uh, join us in our fellowship, and as we get to know each other, as we unite together in the Spirit, I think it's very important for us as a church and men in the church to gather together and be united. So, I, I invite you guys, welcome you guys to come out Saturday, 7.30 a.m., Also this morning, uh, one other thing to put in your mind is we are going to be partaking in communion together. And sorry if there was some confusion about where the elements were, but this morning we we decided to pass out the elements like we did pre-COVID days. So uh, the guys will be passing out the element kits to you. We still have the kits, the bread in a cup like this. It's still going to be in uh, uh, the kit. But we will be passing it out to you uh, at, at the end of the, the message when we move into our communion time. All right, well, let's get into our study. Uh, I've already prayed, so we're going to get right into it. If you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we are going to continue our study here. If you remember, we started last week with um, this passage. Actually, it goes from verse 13 through verse 17, and we only took verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 1, last week, and our overall title of the message is, or this section, is Living Life for Jesus. That's our title, Living Life for Jesus. Last week, we looked at part one, and you can guess today, this morning, we're going to be looking at part two. So it'll be the second part 
of finishing up studying this section in the book of 1 Peter. Now, we had an outline, and uh, this is our outline, actually. Our outline is this in this section. Number one, it starts in your mind. Living life for Jesus starts in your mind. Secondly, it's shaped by conduct. And number three, it's set to respect. So that's our outline for this passage we've been studying. And last week, we took number one. Number one, it starts in your mind. If you remember, that was part one. We only studied verse 13 last week. And we saw three things. I'll just remind you. We saw that it's important we gather up your thoughts. When Peter was saying, therefore, preparing your minds for action. And then number two, the second thing we saw was we got to get to thinking clearly, if you remember that. And that's what we saw in being sober-minded, yeah? Uh, 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 the old translation is gathering the loins of your mind, right? And so just starting to think clearly is important in clearly thinking of Jesus and the truth and who you are in God. And then the third thing we saw last week, how it starts in our mind, is that we've got to get your mind on the eternal. And that was the last part of verse 13 where we put our hope on this grace that, that's going to be fully fulfilled when Jesus returns. And really the idea is that we're living for eternity. Life here on earth is just temporal. It's temporary. And what's really real is the eternal things. And so those are the three things we saw as it starts in your mind in how to live life for Jesus and gather up your thoughts, get to thinking clearly, get your mind on the eternal. Now we continue today to number two and number three in our outline. This is part two. Uh, it, number two, is it shaped by your conduct? Number three, it's set to respect. And that's what we're going to be covering this morning from verses 14 through 17. So we're going to finish this whole section in this part two about living life for Jesus. And, and really a lot of it relates to how we live our conduct. You know, I was thinking about, I came across, there's this old Chinese proverb that goes like this. I hear... I forget. I see. I remember. I do. I understand. And I thought that is so good because we can hear a sermon, but it's easy to walk out of these doors and forget. Oh, what did pastor say? You know, kind of thing. Uh, we can see maybe the quote on the screen, and that helps us to remember it better. But when we do what God asks us to do, then it really gets into our life. Then we truly understand. And really the idea is once you apply the word and live it out, then, then you truly understand what it means to be living for Jesus Christ. And so it's so important that we live who we are, that we live out what God has done in our lives as becoming saved people, people of God, and we're going to see today children of God. There's an old story about the, the uh, ruler of the Grecian Empire, the, the conqueror, right, Alexander the Great. It seems that there was a man in his army that was accused of this crime, and he was brought before Alexander. And Alexander asked him straight, are you guilty? The man replied, yes. So Alexander's like, well, what's your name? And the man said, well, my name is Alexander. What, said the emperor, change your conduct or change your name? 
I like that. That that's the idea, right? It's like what James wrote in James chapter two, verse seventeen, basically saying, right, uh, uh, verse seventeen in chapter two, that faith without works is what dead, right? We show our faith by our conduct, and that's what we're going to get into. How we live, our conduct really matters. How our we, we're living our life. It really matters in showing that we are in Jesus Christ. So, with that, let's get into here number two now in our outline. Remember last week we, we saw that it uh, starts in your mind. And now number two, it's shaped by conduct. It's shaped by conduct. Now, in this section, we're going to be covering verse 14 through 16. Uh, but let's begin with verse 14. Verse 14, take a look. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We'll stop there. All right, so we begin now here in verse 14 with Peter addressing believers, all right? And he's addressing them as what? Children of God And we understand that, right? In John chapter 1, verse 12, that uh, and when we come to Jesus Christ, we are children of God. We have become children of God. We understand in Romans 8, 15, that we're, it's by adoption. We've been adopted into the family of God. So as believers in Christ, we have become his children. So all in all, believers are now part of the family of God. And, and maybe that's important for you to hear today. That if you believe in Christ, if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you believe in his death and resurrection, and you prayed the prayer, you know, you're part of the family of God, no matter what you may think, no matter what you may have done or been through, you are part of the family of God. So, in that truth, in our position before God in that way, Peter goes on saying, look, since you guys belong to the family of God, Peter now calls believers here in verse 14 as obedient children now. He's saying, here's the first thing I want to give you, live today like obedient children of God. That's what he's saying. We're going to see three things in this section, but the first thing is live today like obedient children of God. And think about that. We're children of God, so what characterizes the children of God is that they are obedient to God. We understand that children from one family usually have different character traits, yeah, a little bit different. But there's one thing every child of God should have in common, and you know what that is? Obedience. Obedience to God's word. So, Peter's basically saying, look, you're a child of God, so live like that. Live like you're a child of God. Be obedient. Be obedient children of God. Isn't that the idea when Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right? So if we belong to God, if we really love Jesus, we're going to obey his word. So as children of God, then we're going to be obedient children of God. God. That's the idea. That's what we should be. So Peter's like, hey, live today like obedient children of God. You know, um, 
Kristen and I, we, we love all our children. We have three kids, and they've grown up to be very responsible individuals, wonderful people, I would say. Um, but, you know, when they were small kids, you, you know, there was those challenges, right? You know, as they're growing up and little toddlers not listening to you and all that. I could tell you, out of the three, Justin, my firstborn, was the most stubborn one. He was the, 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 the stubborn one. He was the one, oh, man, you know, going to get frustrated and like, Justin, you know, kind of thing. I don't know, the firstborn. Our last one, our third one, Jenea. She was the most obedient. Matter of fact, I, I used to call her, oh, you're practically perfect Jenea. She's my practically perfect Jenea. It's borrowing from Mary Poppins. You know, when you, when you measure her up, she's practically perfect. Jared, our middle one. Hi, Jared. He was, he was um, right in between the two as far as obedience goes. But, you know, I was thinking about that. As we are children of God, how do you think God would rate you? Yeah. How would he rate you? The most stubborn one? The most rebellious one? Maybe kind of in the middle? Or maybe, maybe you're, you're the type that, wow, you know, in the Lord, you're very obedient to him. I mean, go ahead and, and kind of assess yourself today. Because Peter's bringing this up to our minds. Where are we in that obedience Factor in that obedience level. How about if I put it this way? When the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, do you obey the Spirit right away? Or maybe you 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 think about it like, well, maybe it's like multiple choice, right? Sometimes we approach God that way, but is it? If the Holy Spirit, if God through the Holy Spirit ask you to do something, shouldn't we be obedient? Shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we respond instantly rather than even dragging our feet? I mean, we, we know our children, yeah? I mean, sometimes we ask them to do something. Oh, man, they drag their feet, you know? A day later, oh, finally take, take cleaning up the room, yeah? Uh, but is that still obedience? Well, I think the late obedience is still disobedience, because you want it done right away, right? I mean, if you ask them, hey, take out the rubbish can, yeah? But they do it the next day, what's going to happen? You're going to miss, yeah? I mean, if they do it, you know, a, a day or so later. So remember that when God asks us to do something, he really wants us to do it. Remember this, too, that true obedience is giving up my will to do the will of another. That's really the idea here. And we want to do God's will. So how can we really show the world, everyone around us, that I really know God? What does it mean to really be living life for Jesus? Well, it's shaped by our conduct. And it's done by live today like obedient children of God. So Peter starts with that. Number two here, Peter's putting this up. And you can write this down. Live differently from how you live before Jesus. Before Jesus was in your life. Live differently from how you live before Jesus. He goes on here in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. 
So Peter says, don't be conformed. The word conformed there in the original language means to be shaped. Don't be shaped from before Jesus' days. Uh, it means to be fashioned after. You know, what's the fashion you wear? You know, is it from before or it's from who you are in Christ now? So Peter's basically like, don't let your conduct be shaped by how you used to live without Jesus, how you lived without Jesus. And that was, he says here, in the passions of your former ignorance. Now, that's a little bit hard to understand. Let Let me give you what the NLT, how it translates it. The NLT translates it this way. Don't slip back into your old ways of living. To satisfy your own desires, you didn't know any better then. I like that. That that is very clear in what he's saying. Before Jesus, we we lived to what? Fulfill the desires of our sinful flesh. That's what it was. We're in bondage to that. And so that's just the way we live. We live fleshly, sinfully, worldly-like. And basically, we didn't know any other way to live, right? And we're stuck in in this bondage. Well, Peter's like, look, stop living and conducting yourselves like you're still in bondage to the sinful flesh. That you're still uh, living with those sinful desires and, and passions. We know when we come to Jesus Christ and we're saved, right, that Christ frees us from the bondage of sin. And now we have the ability to make a choice. Romans 6, you can read that later. We make the choice to yield ourselves to be slaves of unrighteousness or servants of righteousness. That's what we have in Christ. We died with Christ and we've been risen again in Christ into a new life. So we are freed from that. And and as I say many times, he makes us a new creation. So that's not you anymore. That's not what you should be shaping yourself to. Your conduct should be not shaped in that way. So Peter's like, live differently from how you live before Jesus was in your life. We see this also. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to the left in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1 through 3. Paul here is writing, the Apostle Paul, and he's, 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 kind of, he's explaining what we once were yeah, before Jesus came and saved us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. We are spiritually dead. We did not have a relationship with God. We, we, we weren't moving in the Spirit. We, we were dead. We are dead in our trespasses, our sins, our trans, uh, uh, transgressions and sins. And then verse 2, in which you once walked. So you once walked that way. You once lived that way, following what? The course of this world, the way the world is, the way the world does things, the way uh, today's society is like, which is far from the biblical principles in the word. And then look what he says next in verse 2. Following the prince of the power of the air. You know who that is? Satan. That's the devil. That's what it's speaking about. How he's roaming around. How he's blinded people to the truth. How he's tempting people and drawing people who don't know Jesus into doing what he wants. Influencing them to destroy them. And then it says... uh, 
the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience or the children of disobedience. In other words, the children of the world who live in their sinful flesh, they are disobedient. Opposite of what Peter has been saying in chapter 1. And then verse 3, among whom we all once lived, that's before Jesus, in the passions of our flesh, same idea, First Peter, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, in other words, you were headed for the uh, judgment of God, like the rest of mankind. So I stopped to talk about Ephesians chapter 3, to give you a little picture of, hey, look, this is what we once were. This is what we are not to be anymore. So back to First Peter, we see that he's saying in verse 14, do not be conformed to those old ways. If you are in Christ, this is not you anymore. So why keep living it? Why do we keep doing that? That's not you. We need to draw that line. We need to make that distinction that, wait, this is the sinful flesh part of me. No, God wants me to do things differently, have a different attitude, respond differently to situations. Uh, this, this is the old way. Now, I, I shouldn't even drift back that way. I should not do these things anymore. You know, it's like, you know what? I shouldn't hang out with these people. That They're not good for me. They influenced me to the old life, not the new life. I need to get to church. I need to be in fellowship. I need to be around people who will help me grow in the Lord, not bring up the old fleshful things. Maybe there's websites you shouldn't go to. Maybe there's books you shouldn't read or movies. Maybe it's, it's time to stop giving yourself into complaining and being judgmental and it just gets you frustrated and angry. Um, maybe for, as I've been mentioning the past few weeks, maybe we got to get out of focusing on ourselves. I think COVID has made us like focus on self and isolate. Now we got to start thinking of others and come together as a body in Christ Jesus. No more should we be giving in to that old sinful flesh. Remember now, when Peter's writing this, I've been bringing this up just about every week, right? Remember, Peter's writing to believers who are what? Under severe persecution. There's a lot of stuff going on. Remember, Nero is out killing Christians, burning them in his garden, uh, feeding them to lions for sport. Everyone's watching. And so people are dying. Not only that, with the persecution, people are losing their jobs, losing their homes. Families are being broken apart. So you could, you could imagine the, the stress, right? The worry, the fear, everything that's going on. You know, the, the, the stress is going up and your mood goes down. You know those days, right? The outlook is hopeless to you. And so I was thinking, wow, it's so easy, I know for me, to slide and respond or react in, in my sinful flesh. You know that, right? I mean, I mean, when we're stressed or we have a bad day, we come home and who gets it? You know, my wife gets it, sadly, right? And it's wrong. 
I, I shouldn't give in to that. And can you imagine? So these people are just stressed out like that, and, and there's trouble all around. Maybe you're, you're going through trials, and you know how that feels. Well, here's Peter saying, hey, you know what? This is the time to obey God, to not give in to that sinful flesh, that we have a choice now. We have a choice to give in to these things, these thoughts, these attitudes, to give into uh, uh, what Satan is tempting us into. We have a choice today to be obedient children and not be conformed to what we used to live like. Living for Jesus, living life for Jesus is shaped by our conduct. So if you want to say, I'm a believer and I want to live for Jesus, well, shape your conduct into being obedient to Jesus Christ. That's what matters when when things come together, that's, that's what's that? The, the, that's when the rubber hits the road. I'm saying that wrong. But however that goes, right? Listen to what A.W. Tozer said. A thousand years of remorse over a wrong act would not please God as much as a change of conduct and a reformed life. I like that. Yeah, we can wallow in our regret and everything and just do nothing about it. But what really matters is that we regret, we repent, we get forgiven, and we get up and we go on. That we change our conduct. What's going on with you today? What is those sinful habits, those sinful things, maybe that you slid back into? God had given you victory, but now you're you're just sliding back again. What's going on? Take assessment of your life right now. Understand what's happening here. God is calling you to, hey, let's live our life for Jesus now. Let's, let's be obedient to, to his word. What have you kind of left there? You know, I don't know if you noticed this morning, but I saw it yesterday. There was an abandoned car in a parking lot, right? I don't know if you guys saw that. I mean, maybe for a month. And uh, one night after Wednesday, I was talking to the security guy coming around. And I said, hey, you know, a car. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He's talked to the property management. And anyway, he's, he's working on it, but... You know, we thought, oh, great, oh, great. But it's, it's just been sitting there for like a month. But finally, it, it, it's, it's gone. And, and, you know, we drive in, you know, every, every time we come to church or, you know, four or five times a week here. And, and I'd be like, oh, it's so ugly, you know. <laughs> oh, it's just a bad, you know what that's like, right? I was thinking, though, once I saw, I saw it gone yesterday, I thought, hey, Lord, this is like things in my life of the flesh that maybe I've abandoned in my soul and allowed to sit there. And, and I don't do anything about it. It just sits there. It, it takes up space in my soul it shouldn't. It, it, it aggravates me. It, 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 it's sore to look at. It makes me sore because I, I start doing things in that flesh. we got to remove it. It's time to remove it. Don't abandon it. Don't just say, oh, it's all right. It's not all right. It's not all right. It's taking space like that abandoned car did in, in an area of your life where God wants to work. And we got to put off the old Ephesians, right? To 4, Ephesians 4 says, put off the old person and put on the new person. So let's get rid of these things. All right. <clears throat> Living life for Jesus should be shaped by 
this kind of conduct. Number one, live today like obedient children of God. Number two, live differently from how you lived before Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and now number three, live in holiness like the Heavenly Father. Live in holiness like the Heavenly Father. Look at verse 15 and 16 now. It says in verse 15, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, Peter says here in verse 15, Now, the one who called you, but as he who called you, who's that? That's God, right? God who saved you, God who reached out to you, God who brought the Holy Spirit to convict your heart so you received Jesus, and then Jesus who, who, who saved you. God who saved you, and as he's been talking about, calls you to be obedient children. Guess what he's saying? You know that? That God, he's holy. The one who called you, he is the holy one. The word holy in the Bible, we've defined it many times, it means to be set apart. Or, or I like this word, especially as we're talking about God, that God is distinct. God is holy, and you could say the definition of holy here in the original language is distinct. In other words, there's no one like him. He's so pure. He's so pure in his perfection that, that there's nothing in this world or anyone, any being that compares to God. He is pure perfection, holy. And that, that's the essence of it. He is holy. He's holy. And, and understand this too. Out of all the attributes of God, out of all of them, there's none more significant than his holiness. Like in the Bible, say like Isaiah 6, you know, where um, the angels in heaven, the vision there, are, they're crying what? Holy, holy, holy. The repetition of three times is emphasizing that. You never see in the Bible like grace, 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 or faithfulness, 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 or love, love, love. Not that God isn't those things in perfect ways and great ways, but his holiness is really up there, the most significant characteristic of God. So with that in mind, that God, the one who called you, yeah, this one who saved you, he's, he's the holy one. He's the holy God. And then Peter says, you know what, because he's holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. You also live in godliness, in holiness, in how you conduct yourself. So kind of understand what, what, what Peter is saying. He's saying, look, because you're children of God, right, and you have a father, and this father's holy, then his children should also have holy conduct. I mean, think of it this way. Children are like their parents, yeah? Uh, if, you, if you look at the mom or dad and you look at the kids, you go, oh, yeah, I could see the mom and dad in them, um, in their mannerisms, in the things they do. Um, I always, like, apologize to my kids, like, oh, sorry, you got the good and the bad part of me, you know, right? And it's like, oh, sorry, passed on, but, you know, God will be with you, you know? Kind of thing. So children are like their parents. So as children of, of God, we need to be like the Heavenly Father. It's like Ephesians, right? Five, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. The Bible 
calls God's people in the New Testament, you know what? Saints. Yeah. Many of Paul, the Apostle Paul will say to the saints. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we're saints set apart, holy. That that's the uh, gist of the original word that we're set apart as saints to act saintly. That's really the, the idea. Now, understand some people <clears throat> say that, oh, yeah, you know, we can be perfect. We can be perfectly holy, and, and that's what God does in our sanctification as we grow, and we can become perfect. But if someone says that to you, wait, wait, no, no. It's not until we get to heaven, get our glorified bodies, that we're, we're going to be perfected. But until then, we still are in this fleshly body. We will fail. First John 1 John 1.8, right? Say, if we have no sin, if you say we have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. But our goal is to live more and more in holiness. The direction we're heading in our conduct is more and more godliness. And I think some of us today have been drifting the other way. So Peter's like, hey, just as God, your father, and where his children is holy, we got to be holy also. And then Peter supports all this in verse 16. He quotes the Old Testament. Really, uh, there's many passages, but one is Leviticus 19.2. He says, since it's written, like back in Leviticus 19.2, you shall be holy for I am holy. So, like children, our conduct must reflect the Father. So it's time, guys, today to get serious. As we're staring at what's before our eyes, the Word of God, the Scripture here, our conduct should reflect that we really are children of God, right? If we're really children, then we're going to be like our parents. We're going to be like our Holy Father, I read about how a father um, came into the ER with his son and um, there was a small tire from his toy truck. It was stuck up the boy's nose. So the attending doctor was able to remove it from the, the little boy. And um, it seemed like they left, but it seemed like it was only a few minutes that the same father was back in the ER and asked to see the same doctor that had treated them as before. Well, they went into the examination room, and the father ex- explained, well, I'm here because, well, while on our way to the car, I was looking at that little tire, and I wondered, how did he get this stuck up his nose? And the father said, well, can you get it out of my nose now? <laughs> I guess that's why we say, right, like father, like son. Listen, a life, living life for Jesus, yeah, it's not just getting rid of the sin. It's about walking and following after God's holiness. Let me put it this way. A life of holiness is not just an absence of sin, but the presence of godliness. That's what it's about. A holy life is not just denying our sinful flesh and say, like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm not doing it. But it's, it's, it's the living presence of God in us. It's living that up, his life through us. 
and in us. Let me point out one more thing here. Back in verse 15, take a look at that. It says, Peter writes, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in some of your conduct. Oh, wait. I think I read that wrong. Yeah? You, he who called you is holy, you also be holy in most of your conduct. Oh, wait, wait. I read that wrong again. You also be holy in 90% of your conduct. Oh, I did it again. What does it say? You uh, also be holy in what? All of your conduct. And in the original language, all means what? Right. Not some, not most, not 90%. God's not saying, I'm okay with 90. Just give me 90. It's all right. Go on your way. All you guys, the standard is high here. So don't get this wrong. Like I got it wrong. (laughs) I I did that on purpose. So you remember. It's all. Don't get it wrong. Living life for Jesus is shaped by all of our conduct. Not just Sunday morning, how you live. Not just, you know, when you're at church on Wednesday or men's. Or or when you're around your Christian friends. Yeah. Oh, you, you put on your best. Yeah. No, it's all your conduct, from the time you wake up to when you go to bed, when you go to work, when you're at school, when you're in the store, and when you're at home. I was thinking sometimes that's the biggest challenges, right? When you're at home, and it's just you and your family, oh, sometimes you guys just let it all out. You, you give in to the sinful flesh. Is that really right? Well, I'm just being real. But is that the real you? The real you is a new creation. The real old you is that. And Peter's saying, don't be conformed to that any longer. All right, so living life for Jesus, it starts in your mind. We saw last week. Uh, Number two is it's shaped by your conduct. And now we go to number three. It's set to respect. And this is verse 17, our last verse for this morning. It's set to respect. Here in verse 17, take a look. It says, And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. All right, let's, let's make sense of this here and, and study this. Peter says, first of all, if you call on him as father. I think better translated, the original word can be since. So I think it flows better in that we're children of God. He's our father, but though he's the father, he's our, our holy God. So it, 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 it's better since you call on him as father. In other words, since God is your heavenly father and we're his children, you know what he's saying? Don't forget God is still the holy God. Who, he goes on in verse 17, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. So you get what he's saying. He's going, look, since since God is your heavenly father, we're his children. Don't forget what I just said. He's holy. He's the holy one. 
So you know what? Even though you have this father-child relationship, he's still God, he's still holy, and he judges impartially. That means like fairly. In other words, God doesn't play favorites here. God is still the, the holy, awesome, powerful creator God. And so Peter says he's going to, he judges impartially according to each one's deeds. And here I, he's speaking to us as believers. He's speaking to us as believers that God will, and I, I want to put two things out here. God will judge us in this way. Two things, that he will either reward us when we get to heaven, or he will discipline us today. He'll see that, hey, you know, we need to work on this sin, and then he'll bring discipline into our lives, as a good parent does. So, in speaking to believers, God, first of all, we know in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it talks of believers appearing before, the Greek word is bima, bima seat, of Christ, right? It's where we get our rewards when we get to heaven. It's the same idea of like in the Olympics when you when the the award ceremony where they're standing there and people get first, second, third, but it's the award ceremony in that sense in our deeds, how we lived our life here on earth. Uh, we're saved, we're going to heaven, but how did we do in our obedience? How did we do in what God asks us to do in our serving? And we're still going to go heaven and all of that. But we'll have some extra reward for what we've done. We know also for believers who still play around with that habitual sin that he disciplines us. He, that he'll still uh, he'll catch you in that. He'll, there'll be consequences in that. There'll be discipline, Hebrews 5, uh, 6. That it, it, he'll, he'll still work, or 12, I think, 12, 5, and 6. That he'll still work in your life to get rid of that sin. So Peter's like saying, just because God's your father doesn't mean you can do anything you want. Yeah? Ah, we I got this thing with God. We're close. I'm in already. So, you know, I'm okay. It, it doesn't mean you can get away with things. So with that in mind, yeah, the, the Heavenly Father, He's our Father. We're his children. We're children of God. But remember, he's holy. Yeah. Because of that, he's going to still judge you. So, so, Peter goes on in verse 17. So, conduct yourselves with fear. Again, here's that conduct. Live. Uh, uh, shape yourself. Uh, live in this manner, he's saying. Conduct yourselves with fear. The word here really speaks about respect. Respecting God. Because he is holy. He is our creator. Uh, honoring him. Giving him reverence. As what? We'll connect it back to verse 14. As obedient children. So yeah, he's our heavenly father. We have this great relationship. We're close to him. We're his children. We have this parent-child relationship. But still, he's our holy God. So we should conduct. We should live in a way as obedient children to respect God. To honor him. So here's Peter, and this is our heading. Set your conduct to respect God now in how you live. And then he adds this at the end of verse 17. He's saying, throughout the time of your exile. What is, what is that talking about? Well, remember it was brought up at the very beginning of this chapter, and it's really the idea of how the believers have been scattered. A lot of them uh, lost their homes. So all in all, the idea is talking about their life 
as believers, our life here on the earth. We're, we're, we're in this exile. We're in this wilderness. But one day we'll be in heaven in our home. It, it really speaks of this life here on earth. The NLT again translates this, your time here as temporary residence. I like that. So, in living life here right now, live in a way that, you know what, honors the Father. Set your conduct to respect. Set to respect Him. Honor the Heavenly Father. I was thinking about the fifth commandment in Exodus 20, verse 12. The first part says, honor what? Your father and your mother. And if God has called us to do that, and doesn't say, oh, I'm, when I'm out of their house, I don't need to. No, we continually honor our, our father and mother, whether they're saved or not. We still give them honor. Well, if God asks us to honor our earthly parents, how much more should we honor our heavenly father? And that's very important in our conduct, how we live our life here on earth. And it's a very important uh, point to put into our minds this morning that, you know, yeah, you know what? We need to be living life here right now in a way that honors the Father. Psalms 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. There's many scriptures talking about the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, but I like this word, the fear, the reverence of the Lord, the honoring the Lord, the respecting of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. The wisdom of how to live this life here on earth. To have wisdom, how you conduct yourself. And those who practice this, honoring God, uh, uh, um, respecting God and how you live, we have a good understanding of what it really means to be people of God. And I have to say, today in our Christian society, I'm talking about Christian circles, in the church in general, I believe we have lost that principle. I believe we have lost honoring God in the things that we do. We're, we're, we're more about honoring ourselves. And yeah, we might fight for the truths in the Bible and all that. But we don't honor, do it in an honorable way. We're, I think we've lost that principle. I mean, it, 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 and when we don't honor one another, it only shows you're not honoring God. Do you love God? If you do, then honor Him also. Honor and respect Him. I like something John Bunyan once said The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And they that lack the beginning have neither middle or end. Isn't that great? I thought, wow. That affects our whole life. If we don't honor God first in everything that we do, in our obedience to him, how we conduct ourselves, of putting away our old sinful flesh and sins turning and making the choice to live for God. We don't honor, if that's not what we're really doing to respect him, to set our hearts into respect and fear God in that way, it's going to affect everything else in our life. If you think about it, there's something about the person who really lives in the fear of God. I, 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 I think of a friend. He's a pastor. and Whenever I think 
come across passages like this, I think, about, wow, this guy, he, he lives in that fear of God, honoring God, because he's an honorable person himself. And I look up to him. I see him live in obedience to the Lord. And he's motivated, you know, in such a huge way in that way. These are the ones you really notice, right? Well, this is how God wants us to live, especially in this dark world we live in today. That we would live, not for ourselves, but to honor God as obedient children of the Lord. That we would change our mind in in all of this. That we come back, even in, in our trials and tribulation, to what really matters. And this is the eternal. These are eternal things. I'll close with this. Um, ever, have you ever wondered why Coca-Cola at McDonald's seems to taste better than any other fast food place? I don't know, I, I, we don't go to McDonald's that much, but I remember years ago thinking, wow, you know, you, you get it from their machine fountain. It's really good. It's like, wow, this is different, you know, than other places. I wondered, is it their dispenser machines? Maybe they have some special one. Is it their filtration? Maybe it's the larger straw. Maybe it's additives. Maybe there's more syrup, their mix, you know. What is the secret recipe? You want to know the answer? According to McDonald's, um, I believe it's on their website, they have put great effort, great time, and money in making sure every restaurant strictly follows the guidelines that were set by Coca-Cola Company. Isn't that crazy? They want the soda they serve at McDonald's to taste the same as when you buy it in a bottle. Isn't that crazy? So what's the secret? Simply follow the instructions. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. So here's the instructions, you guys. In our, our, our study here, in this section, from starting from last week to today, it starts in your mind. Take care of your mind. It's shaped by your conduct. Start, don't live from, like you did before. Live in, in who you are now. And set your heart to respect and honor God in everything that you do. That's it. That's it. And then, everyone will see, the world will see, that you are really living life for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we come before you, Jesus Christ, thank you, God, for speaking to us. Thank you that you don't leave us, Lord, to ourselves, that we got to figure it out. That you don't even leave us to our sins and say, ah, They're done. I can't do anymore. No, God, you are actively working in our lives. We are here today hearing this message, studying this passage because you are active in our lives. And your Holy Spirit is speaking to us because you love us, you want to change us, and you want us to grow and get us to the place and maybe get us back to the place that we should be in living our life for you. God, what matters is eternity. And sometimes we're still caught up in the past sins or 
or living in the world, when you want us to rise above that, to find victory and freedom from the bondage of our habitual sin, to rise up into a closeness of life with you, God, that every day we feel you, that every day you, you're with us and we're connected and you're strengthening us, you're moving through us, there's a Holy Spirit alive within us. God, that's the life I want more and more. Lord, let us desire and hunger after that, God. Let us set, make it a goal. Make it, be serious, God. Make it a priority that we would be living life for you, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that we love so much. So with these things we learn, I pray that we would not walk out of here, go on into our day and this week without forgetting what you are calling us to. This is our mission. This is, this is your will, God. May we be obedient children because that's who we are in you. That's who you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at this time, the guys are going to be um, passing out. They'll be in some baskets and passing out the elements. And so... As soon as you grab your elements, um, you know what? Start worshiping God. Take what God's been speaking to you this morning. And, and, and let me tell you this. As we move into this communion time where Jesus had, had asked us to do this in remembrance of him. That's why we do this. That's why we continue to uh, do this regularly. You know, it is not just a ritual, but it's a holy time that we come before God in thankfulness. Holy time in appreciation and remembering what he's done on the cross to even help us today. And God wants to help you today, all right? God wants to speak to you through this time. God, perhaps you've come in here and, and, and you feel the conviction and guilt and the shame. God wants to forgive you today. Perhaps you come in here and you're just struggling in life right now. God wants to help you today. Remind you that he died on the cross for you. He rose again. And he is, you are important to him. That the greatest example of love is the cross. That the greatest show of love to you is the cross. And so right now know that. Let his love minister to you. Perhaps you need even physical healing. Pastor Tom the other day was like, you know, God wants to move in our time of communion and even heal. He has a testimony in that. Could be. But whatever, wherever you're at, whatever it is, let's come to the Lord in reverence, honoring him, and respect humbly with our hearts as we come to the foot of the cross. Let's worship him.